for a while, and I'm excited to get back into it. If you've never listened to this podcast before, welcome to the podcast. If you have, welcome back. Woohoo! So glad you're back. I've been traveling across the United States for about the past four months. Um, I started in North Carolina. I flew to California, went down the coast, went over to the east. I had to do the never eat soggy waffles in my head. (laughs) I went over to the east, up north, hitting Las Vegas, some national parks, up to Idaho, over to Chicago and Ohio, and then down to North Carolina with a bunch of stops, adventures, and good stuff in between. And some not good stuff, but mainly good stuff. So I haven't been on my podcasting game as much because I've been kind of busy with all that doing, and now I'm ready to put some episodes back onto my blog back into iTunes and SoundCloud and into the world for everyone to listen to, so I'm pretty happy about that. So the story that I have to share with you today is so awesome. Sam did such a wonderful job. I was couch surfing in Idaho Falls before I went to Yellowstone, and I did not know, but I was couch surfing with the couch surfing host king. Um, Sam has so many recommendations through the roof on couch surfing, which is an app that you can use to stay with people in their homes for free while you travel. It's a network of travelers. And Sam has hosted over 150 people. So Sam and I, I stayed at Sam's house for a long time, a lot longer than usual. And so we had so many good talks. And I wanted to pick Sam's brain about his experiences, his tips for couch surfers on how they can stay safe and hosts, how they can be a good, safe host as well. So you will get that in this podcast interview, along with Sam's story, which takes up the main portion of it to begin with. Um, His really creepy and not great couch surfing experience that he had with the second person that he stayed with. So just a warning, it's not a graphic story, but it is creepy and weird and uncomfortable. Um, And it's a really good reminder that not everything goes perfect when you're traveling and on the road. But as Sam will tell you, He's had so many other good experiences, and this is really the only complaint that he's had, but I still wanted to share this story with you. It kind of makes me laugh now, but it's very uncomfortable and a very scary situation. Um, It is something that we talked about a couple times, and, you know, we talked about how it could be humorous to tell the story now, but like I said, not humorous when you're in the situation, so... Just a good reminder to travelers that things like this happen. But I won't talk too much longer. Um, Sam had a family emergency when he was recording this interview with me and had to leave. But he comes back with a surprise guest host, and they did such. So I'm going to let Sam and his friend take over the rest of this interview. Enjoy. All right. Well, this feels a little different because I'm on your equipment rather than on mine. But thank you so much for being on my podcast. 
Um, my name is Kaylin Otto, and I'm here with Sam right now. So just to start off, I have a few questions for you, just a little bit of a get to know you for everyone. So the first one I always do is where are we located right now and how I met you. And then, since we're handing this mic back and forth, I'll give you a couple, and then I'll let you go for it. The second question is, if you had to pick three items to represent you or describe yourself, what would they be and why? Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to probably need some clarity on, on question number two, but we'll okay. get there. So right now, we're recording in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and we are actually on like the busiest street and so I don't know if this is going to pick it up but we've got some traffic sound in the background specifically 335 East 17th Street <laughs> I want to be that specific in the front living room <laughs> getting people egging your house or something. so um, uh, we met on couch surfing when you sent a request to me, oh, it's probably been like a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, because the request was for five nights, which, I mean, that's a pretty long stretch of time in yeah. terms of couch surfing. A lot of people were just like one night, right. maybe two nights. Right. So, okay, the second question, one more time. Run, run it past me. So if you had to pick... Someone asked me this on a dating app, which I thought was kind of clever, so I decided to use it for the podcast. Three items that represented you, what would they be, and why would you pick those three items? Okay, so we're talking physical items? Physical items. Okay. Um, I would say physical item number one would be my computer. Okay. And it's, it's because my entire life... Every scrap of paper, every thank you note, every love letter since I was five years old, uh, every photograph I have scanned digitally on my computer. And I built the computer myself. Uh, I was a computer nerd growing up. And so I built the computer and it has so many different little hookups. I have a label maker that's attached to it that I label everything with because I'm obsessive compulsive. So like... Uh, you know, I just, uh, I like having everything looking pristine. I don't like my own handwriting. So the label maker, that reflects my fastidiousness. And I have this, uh, this $400 scanner specifically yeah. to scan every object that crosses my path. Any, uh, like I mentioned, any note, I have notes that couch servers have left me. I scan onto my computer and, and then my computer... Uh, synchronizes all this data with with my cloud so I can access it from anywhere at any time and it freaks people out because like uh, this girl uh, Jamie Williams who I had a crush on when I was in fourth grade it was her birthday and so what I did is I went to my Jamie Williams, I just basically did a, a Google search on my, my Google Drive of anything related to Jamie Williams. And it pulled up like her senior picture. It pulled up photographs of her in, um, in our yearbook. Yeah. 
uh, it pulled up notes that she had written me in high school. And I put together a collage of these. It didn't take me very long. And then I just posted it on Facebook and I said, hey, happy 30th birthday. And she's like, where the hell did you get all this information on me? And it's like, you gave it to me like over the last 25 years we've known each other. But I just have been digitally hoarding all of it. So I would say that my computer is by far uh, the, the, the number one thing that represents who I am because it's a, I'm a digital hoarder and I'm very meticulously organized and it's all there. It's all there on my computer, my whole existence. Uh, I unbound my journals from when I was in high school and I unbound my, um, my yearbooks and I scanned them all onto the computer and so I have probably five years worth of handwritten journals that are there and total of 500 gigabytes of data that oh are the sum total of who I am. Wow. So. so is this, do you like to keep them just so you can look back at them or what's the specific, is there a specific reason why you keep everything? Well, you know, I am an insignificant person. That I'm, I'm never going to be rich. I'm never going to be famous. I'm never going to be the president of the United States. And our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people never had somebody important enough, or they weren't important enough, yeah. that somebody would take the time to document their life. Right. So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. Huh. And it is, I think, sort of a, a moral obligation, you know? Yeah. And I would hope that somewhere at some time in the future that if somebody wanted to find out what a normal, hardly normal, but what an insignificant person's right. life was like, then they could look back at my, my record keeping because I have meticulous records of my entire life. I have records the last the last 13 years I have records of every single penny I have spent at every single so you know some something as insignificant as a candy bar at a convenience store I have yeah. a record of it so to see what was it like for just a normal insignificant person born in 1985 who lived for X number of years what's <laughs> what was their life like we don't have we can't look we, we don't know what it was like for a normal Egyptian right we know probably a little bit more about like what King Tut's life was like right. uh, or other significant figures in Egyptian history. We know about the kings of England and blah, 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 blah. But we don't know about the commoners. What about the guy who died at age 35 from the plague? What was his life like? Right. What were his thoughts and feelings? We don't have those because he was too insignificant. And that is that same Lack of record keeping is existing today, right. uh, perhaps to a lesser degree because people are now, you know, keeping blogs and Facebook posts right. and whatnot. But uh, I, I think that, yeah, I think we have a personal responsibility to keep a record of our little time on this planet. Oh, I love that. I've never heard anyone say that before. That is so true. Okay, good. Yes, those from the time that I've known you. 
those objects that you told me do sound like a very good representation of you, and that is super interesting. Okay, so now that we know you a little bit better, um, today I wanted to talk about, make this episode all about couch surfing and some other travels and whatever else we talk about, something super interesting like that is awesome too. Um, So this up here on your wall, we're sitting in your living room, there's a map and it has all these different pins on it. And when I first saw it, I thought they were places that you've gone because you have what, about 100 of them on there? Or do you have over? 150. Okay, so you have about 150 of those on there. And I just wanted you to tell me what they actually are and how you got into couch surfing. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I only talked about one physical item that represents okay. who I am. And, and the second item I was going to go to was this map on my wall because it, uh, it has a pin for every person who I've hosted. And I have hosted people in various locations, usually my home, but I've had three homes over the last four and a half years that I've been hosting. Um, I've hosted people while I've traveled, um, and uh, I've primarily hosted people through couch surfing, but I hosted, I've hosted people more recently through Airbnb, uh, and then years ago I hosted some people who were in town for this, like, tap into the universe and heal your body nature seminar. <laughs> and so I have, I have some people from uh, Israel and, uh, and the United Arab Emirates and Sri Lanka and India who, who I hosted. Um, sorry, I have a really short term memory. What was the rest of the oh, no. question surrounding this? Um, I was asking you, how did you first get into couch surfing in the first place? Okay, so I was in property management and I was taking care of 82 apartments, uh, four townhomes, one rental home, and then I sat on the board of managers for another 47 condos. I had a lot of responsibility and it was stressing me out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started getting anxiety attacks, which I've had my whole life, but it was getting really frequent. And it finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? I need to just take a break because this is too much. And uh, so I quit my job, which took about three months. And I, um, the first thing I did was I went to deliver some furniture to my parents in Arizona, where their vacation home is. And uh, while I was there, my mom told me to watch this Netflix documentary that I told you about, Mm -hmm. Craigslist Joe, where this guy, (laughs) without any money, travels from coast to coast uh, and back, back to, uh, back, actually, I think his last destination was San Francisco, where Craigslist is actually like located the guy Craig and his server Uh, and anyway um, I watched this show and I was like I want to do something like that Um, but I wasn't really interested in using Craigslist as the medium whereby I I would connect with people Uh, 
my brother had told me back in 2005, he told me about couch surfing and how a friend of his had traveled from east to west. She, she actually started in Italy and ended up in Scotland. So I guess that's more like south to north-ish uh, Europe. And she'd done this all through couch surfing. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll use couch surfing. So I went home, I went online, and I was able to connect with somebody uh, who was going back to university um, after being a ski bum in Jackson, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And her name was Curtis Morgan. And she put out a post on couch surfing. She was like, hey, does anybody want a ride with me? I'm going from... Jackson, Wyoming, to uh, wherever Dartmouth University is located. I'm not even smart enough, definitely not smart enough to go there and surely not smart enough to know where it's at. Uh, and and I was like, well, I, I traced the route and it would lead me to Albany, which is where I could connect with my sister. And it was great. So that's how I got started was I wrote her message and we, were, we split gas 50-50 and we drove across the country together. I hitchhiked from Idaho Falls to Jackson, which was my first hitchhiking experience. Was this when you, was this when you just left your house and stood on the corner and hitchhiked? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> I went into town, I got a backpack uh, and uh, bought a few supplies and stuffed them all in the backpack and walked out from my house, which my house was located right near the intersection of the two busiest streets in Idaho Falls, which were 25th East, or Hit Road, and then 17th Street, which we're on right now. And I stood out there and I hitchhiked. And I made it to Jackson, connected or stayed the night at my cousin's house there, which was fantastic, because I had never actually talked to her in my entire life. Uh, so we had a great time, went out to eat, and then uh, rode with, with Morgan all the way across the United States, and it was just awesome. She, she was like modern-day hippie. Yeah. Uh, sort of reminds me of you, like, yeah. sa s saving the planet, saving the world, yeah. you know. Uh, but her big thing was renewable fuel. And uh, and so she talked to me all about it for this entire ride. Uh, and also we got into philosophical questions about, uh, you know, uh, equal rights for uh for race, and at, at, the, at the time, one of the hot topics, so this would have been in, what, uh, uh, 2000, crap, uh, 2013, the spring of 2013, one of the hot topics at the time wa was gay marriage, mm -hmm. because I think that it had either recently passed or it was going to uh, the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. And so we talked a lot about like equal rights for homosexuals, and so our our conversation was just very good from beginning to end. And I still have some of it recorded on my cell phone. I I secretly did this. I like turned my cell phone on and pressed record because I wanted it to be candid. I wanted it yeah. to be real. Uh, and 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 that was that was how it began. That's how I started in couch surfing. Wow. Okay.
That is that is such a good way to start. So when you got there, was that the first time that you had couch surfed then? When you got to your destination? Um, yeah, so so my first I mean, the first person I met through couch surfing was Morgan Curtis. Okay. But the first place that I ever stayed was New York, New York. And I met up with this little tiny uh, Vietnamese girl named Trang. And we met up in Times Square, and we actually went to the Bronx, which for me was very intimidating, because I was like the only white person there. And uh, But she seemed really confident, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow and follow her. And uh, I stayed in a really small room. Uh, she had uh, a small, single-size bed and a little tiny closet and a dresser and a desk for her computer, for her laptop, and just enough floor space for somebody to lay down. And I was like, where am I going to sleep? I had no idea. And then she pulled out like this little mat and rolled it out on the, the only real estate that she had for hosting couch surfers. And, and it was that. It was at the, at the base of her bed. And that was the first place that I ever couch surfed. Oh, wow. That's nifty. So I'm, I'm thinking back to before we were so invested in smartphones and did you use like you would just meet people or would you use a couch surfing website online because I'm I'm trying to think a time when people were couch surfing we didn't we weren't all wrapped up in technology like this so how did that work um, at the time yeah I don't even know if couch surfing had an app yet yeah. uh, I, I did have a smartphone that I was traveling with uh, but no it was all it was all on the computer that, that I was using to, to connect with people was through, yeah, the Couchsurfing website. Okay, yeah, because for those of you who don't know, Couchsurfing is an app that you can put on your phone, and it's super easy to use, so when you're on the go, if last minute you need a place to stay, you can search for a host and send them a message, or you can do it ahead of time, but it's, it's really easy to access. But you had told me another story about staying with someone, and he was in New York, correct? He was in New York. Okay, so I wanted to put a little content on warning on this one that the story gets a little creepy, and this is not how couch surfing usually goes, but it's a possibility of how it could go. Um, I was just talking to a friend today, and she was asking me if it's dangerous to couch surf, if it's dangerous to travel like this, and I was saying, it can be. In my experience, it usually hasn't been, or most of the time it hasn't been, but there are are always situations that you don't know are going to happen or that, you know, you feel get a little out of control or whatever that may be. So I can laugh now at you calling this guy the bubble bath man, but this would actually be super serious and scary if you were actually in the situation. So I'm going to go ahead and let Sam tell us the story of what happened, and then we'll de-escalate a little bit afterwards and talk about what usual experiences are like. But for all these people who always ask me if this is dangerous, and I say... Not usually, but it can be. This is one of the stories of when it can be. Okay, so, um, like Kaylin said, uh, I have hosted well over 100 people from all over the world, from 
how many continents? One, two, three, four. Uh, uh, every continent except for South America, or except for Antarctica. So, um, none of these people ever had a frightening experience couch surfing. Um, I myself have couch surfed coast to coast North America, coast to coast South America, uh, in Eastern Europe, in Western Europe. And I've never had any messed up things happen except for this one time, which was my second couch surfing experience in New York, my second night in New York, uh, staying with a guy by the name of George. And George had, um, I'd actually posted on, on couch surfing an itinerary. And so one of the options, instead of like sifting through potential hosts on couch surfing, you can post your itinerary and say, look, I'm going to be in this city at this time. Are there any hosts who are willing to host me? And so he actually reached out to me and said, yeah, yeah, I'd be willing to host you, which I was very excited about because I was new to couch surfing. I didn't have really any established references other than Trang maybe had left me a reference, and Morgan Curtis maybe left me a reference. Uh, but, uh, and New York is a really hard place to couch surf because so many people are there wanting a free place to stay. Um, so, anyway, yeah, this guy, he, he says, yeah, you can stay at my place. And uh, he seemed super nice. He was anxious to take me out, show me around town. And uh, we went out to eat, probably went out to eat, left around 6 o'clock in the evening. And uh, I think it took us about an hour to get to where we went. And uh, then we started talking, and he was just obsessed with talking about religion. And uh, I had already gone to his house in Queens and dropped off all my stuff. So all my stuff is already there in Queens. And now we are in Manhattan and we are eating at this restaurant and he's telling me all about how I should accept his version of Christianity into my life. And, uh, which is fine. I mean, go ahead, talk religion. That's, that's all fine and dandy. But he started to get aggressive. Like, you need to do this. Pounding his fists on on the table and he'd actually picked out this restaurant specifically because one of the things that was like one of the gimmicks of this restaurant was that they would give you a pack of chalk and you could write on the table the table was made out of the same materials like a chalkboard so he wanted to he wanted to be there because he, he needed to demonstrate like by writing down uh, this whole connection about how his religion his religious uh, ideology worked and it just, I have a picture of the table. It's just a scribble, this total mess. Uh, but he started, like I mentioned, to get really aggressive and was like, you need to accept Jesus into your life to the point where I started getting afraid. And I thought, I'm just going to leave my stuff at his place and get out of here. And... Uh, and then I had remembered what I sort of promised myself at the beginning of the trip was that I was just going to go with the flow, no matter what happened. 
So I went with the flow and I asked him, I was like, George, what do you want me to do? And he's like, well, all you need to do is just say, I accept Jesus into my life. And so I like angrily and sarcastically said, fine, I accept Jesus into my life. And George like started to tear up and he said, this whole trip has been worth it for you and for me. And by this time, it was nearing midnight. I mean, he'd been preaching to me for that long. And he's like, we need to celebrate your conversion. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. I mean, literally, <laughs> in more than one way. And so uh, we, uh, we went out and we had donuts and coffee to celebrate my conversion. And then I thought, you know what, the madness is over. It's late. By the time we get home, everything will be fine. Well, we got back to his house probably, what, like 1, or excuse me, close, close to 2 o'clock in the morning by this time. Definitely late enough that I thought we would be going to bed. But he's like, you know, Sam, there's no better way to end a night out on the town then with the nice bubble bath. And I was like, excuse me? A bubble bath? I'm thinking in the back of my head, like, I've been taking a bubble bath since I was three years old. And I'm like, no, George, it's okay. I don't need a bubble bath. Um, I, like, I'm, I'm going to be showering in a hostel tomorrow that I'm staying at, and you know, I'm, I'm good. And then he, like, got angry again. He's like, no, you're taking a bubble bath. And I, again, I felt afraid and so I just went with the flow stupid I, I went with the flow and he drew this bubble bath and was putting all these fragrances and bubbles and whatnot in there and then he's like here's your bubble bath <laughs> I'm like okay so I closed the door and I still convinced to this day that there is like a hidden camera in there you know this guy's a video voyeurist and uh but Whatever, I took the bubble bath, and actually, you know, I told people this, it, it really is a good way to end a night out on the town. It's like a nice, warm bubble forced. bath. Even, even if it's forced on you, I mean, it was, it was good. And, but when I got out of the bathroom uh, and, and changed and everything, I walk out, and he's there in his bedroom like wearing nothing but these, uh, these, like, 1950s boxer shorts, like, mid-thigh, uh, white with, with faded blue stripes, and he's, like, sprawled out on his bed, and his laptop is open. He's like, hey, Sam, I need to show you something on my laptop. I'm like, oh, great, this is gonna get real kinky real fast. <laughs> What's he going to show me? Like the video of me taking the bubble bath or whatever else? But I'm like, okay. So I walk over there, like like sort of peek at his laptop. And he's like, no, I need you to sit next to me. We are picking up where we left off. Um, so when Caitlin and I were recording this podcast, I actually had a phone call from a family member. And there was something urgent that I had to attend to. And 
that was on the 9th of September, and now it's the 23rd of September. And so we're finishing this podcast, and I'm here with uh, a friend of mine, Desmond. So I'm going to pass the mic over to him and just uh, let him give you a quick introduction to himself. Well, holy cow, I must say this is quite... This, this is quite um, an incredible moment to be able to share this podcast with Sam. Um, I think it speaks volumes about um, what he wants to communicate, how he wants to share the life experiences, the life experiences that, um, that confront us on a regular basis and also share the uniqueness that is um, inherent to each and every one of those experiences. So, without further ado, Sam. Okay, so we were talking about Bubble Bath Man and uh, and that experience and, and where I was at with that. Desmond's heard this story a bazillion times before and he just thinks it's awful. Um, but I had just walked out of the bathroom. There's Bubble Bath Man. He wants me to look at what he's got going on on his laptop. And so he insisted that I sit next to him on his very small bed. And I am, you know, mine's going a million miles an hour, wondering what the heck he's going to show me. And fortunately, it was more benign than my twisted imagination. Uh, it was just more religion. He, there was some like, I don't know, evangelical preacher, uh, televangelist, whatever, who was giving a seminar, uh, and George wanted me to stay up and watch that, and that was fine, whatever, other than the fact it was like 3.30 in the morning, probably, 3 o'clock by this time, and then when we finally got to bed, he gave me a Bible before we went to bed and insisted that we read back and forth together from the Bible. Um, but this isn't the weird part. The weird part is he had a spare bedroom, he had a living room, and he had his bedroom, and he insists that I sleep on the floor right at the base of his bed, which was very uncomfortable for me. But you can be vocal, Desmond, about your your reaction to this. <laughs> but what was what was more awkward was the next morning. Uh, he he approached me and he said, "You know, Sam, I used to be your same size, and I have got all these clothes that would just look great on you." And I'm thinking, "There's no way that you were ever my size. Like this guy is twice my size. He's not he's not even my same height. How could he be my same?" my same size, but sure enough, he pulls out a wardrobe of clothes that actually did fit me quite well, and like, I am dressing and undressing in his room, in these clothes, and very, very uncomfortable experience. Well, because of his demeanor, uh, because of the whole wardrobe experience because he, again, was very insistent upon the wardrobe, the bubble bath, the religion. The whole thing led me to file a complaint against him uh, on couch surfing and leave him a negative review. 
Well, it wasn't until four years later that I got a message from an individual who stayed with him. And this guy was 19 years old from Finland, I believe. And he asked me, why did you leave George a negative review? And so I went into more detail than I did on the public forum, uh, public review. And the guy told me that he had a very similar experience, except that George got a little handsy with him. So uh, he asked me what he should do, and I told him, you know, uh, well, he specifically said that he had been sexually assaulted. And so I said that he needed to contact the police and that he needed to file a complaint that avenue as well as couch surfing. Uh, so the moral of the story is... Yes, couchsurfing is great, but that doesn't mean that it's perfect. You still have to do things to protect yourself. And uh, I think that's where the next question comes in. Uh, well, I think eventually uh, Kaylin addresses safety, but we'll, we'll, we'll delve more into safety here in a second. Um, so next question. What have your other experiences usually been like? Positive, 100% positive. I mean, there there are occasionally uh, situations where it's it's a little flat. Like I've hosted people who it's it's like they show up late, they crash, they leave early in the morning, and that's fine. But usually my experiences are really positive exchanges of conversation, culture, uh, um, our interests, our backgrounds. Um, you know, why we're traveling, uh, different places that we have traveled. Um, my experiences traveling have not been as comprehensive as my experiences hosting. So I've, I've definitely hosted a lot more than I have traveling. Um, but of all the experiences that I've had, um, I've probably had, oh, maybe a small handful, two, three, four, neutral experiences, this one single negative experience, and well over a hundred positive experiences with people uh, through the network, both hosting, surfing, and meeting people uh, in, in different towns um, uh, through couch surfing. What are your best tips to stay safe? Okay, so travel with somebody if you can. I mean, I just don't think that I would have been in the same situation had I been with somebody. And that, that actually leads to a part of the story that I forgot. After I left George's place, after I left Bubble Bath Man's house, I hightailed it out of there and checked into a hostel called the Q4 in Queens. And that evening, I met up with a fantastic group of people. And we ended up just having hilarious conversation. We were up all night until like 4 o'clock in the morning. But at one point in time, I asked everybody, like, have you guys ever couch surfed before? Because I just like had this weird couch surfing experience. And these two Germans, uh, one of them's name is Max, and I forgot what the other guy's name was. Ugh, obsessed me when I forget people's names. 
but uh, they said to me, you know, we've hardly couch surfed at all, and they'd been on the road for nine months, but they said, you know, two nights ago, we did couch surf, and we stayed with this really odd fellow named George, and he was trying to get us to convert to his religion, and I just, I couldn't believe it. Here I was, just a couple of days, a few days here in New York City, and already, I mean, there's, there's 10 million people in this city, plus, and I've already run into somebody who knows the same person that I know. We both had stayed with George, and so we're sharing George's, George experiences, and we're laughing about it, and some people were terrified about it, and, you know, as we talk about the conversion experience, and he took him to the same restaurant where, where he was writing with, with chalk on the table. And, you know, I'm telling him all about what had happened with me. And I said, well, well so guys, what about, what about the bubble bath? And they both look at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, did he have you take a bubble bath? And they're like, no. No, there was no bubble bath. And then I was like, oh my gosh, shoot. So I told them about my experience with the bubble bath, and they were freaking out. They said they would have just run out of there. It was so uncomfortable. And then when I told them about the wardrobe experience, it was even more. But point in case, aside from this being a very interesting coincidence, they were traveling together. And there's safety in numbers. Uh, I would also recommend, I, don't, I host a lot of single girls. And you know what? I, I don't know. I trust myself because I know myself. But if I were the father of a young single lady and she were out couch surfing with single guys... I just think that that's probably not the safest of situations. If you're going to be in that situation, make sure that that individual has great references. Make sure that they have their government ID verified, their address verified, their phone number verified. These were things that were not in place when I originally started couch surfing. But the government ID is a huge, huge help. Uh, don't just go willy-nilly into somebody's house who you don't know. These safeguards are in place for a reason. And if possible, I would say, you know, uh, young single person, stay with, with like a group of people or travel with a group of people. Ideally, don't be in a one-on-one -on -one situation with somebody on the Couchsurfing Network. Um, although I've had, I've had many of those instances and they have all except for one been positive, but I think that common sense says, you know, if you really want to be safe, then there's safety in numbers. So travel with people. Well, I think those, um, that those pieces of advice are quite relevant. Um, and added, what I would recommend is pay attention to what's going on around you. And if 
anything happens that elicits in you um, a discomfort, then by all means, separate yourself from that. It's okay. You know, it's okay to to decline an invitation that um, that causes you anxiety or whatever. It's really, really, really important that you're paying attention. Um, your life is worth it. And um, also, it, it helps all the other people traveling on the network as well. Because if you're feeling uncomfortable about something and you make a note of that, then through, through compilation, collectively, um, members might get a fix on something that might not be in the best interest. So pay attention, communicate, and most importantly, enjoy every single positive encounter you have. Awesome. Thank you for that, Desmond. Um, there are a few more questions down here which we're going to jump um, into. Why do you love hosting? Oh, my gosh. I love hosting because it's like I get all the benefits of traveling except I don't have to leave the comfort of my own home. Uh, for example, a few weeks ago, actually it's been now uh, like a month and a half ago or two months ago, I hosted five girls from uh, Thailand and they brought into my house not only their culture, but their amazing conversation, amazing experiences. Each one of them had, uh, you know, had grown up in a different part of Thailand. But the funnest part was the food. They came in there, and it was just like... They were synchronized. They all knew their place. They all knew exactly what to do to make these amazing meals. And they insisted that I invite my friends and family in to join. And so here we were. We were sharing food. We were sharing experiences. I mean, it, it just, that, that is what couch surfing is about. Uh, I've heard some people say, like, couch surfing is the free Airbnb. Well, it's not. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes there are people, like I said, who they come, they stay there for, for a night, and they basically just get a free place to stay, which I'm okay with that because if we were all of us involved in couch surfing, then we could conserve a lot of energy. There would be no, no uh, reason why we would have to have hotels. Like, you know, this is that's a, a pretty grand thought, it's sort of delving into uh, utopian thinking here, but um, but no, I, I like the idea of knowing that I've conserved somebody else's money and electricity and energy and whatever else that's, that's involved with that. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I like hosting because I like to meet people from all around the world. And sometimes we even, uh, we even share uh, not just stories and not just culture and, and, and food, uh, but we get to share experiences together. Uh, Caitlin and I, we actually uh, went on a hike after this initial recording, 
And it was amazing. I mean, I get to see my own home through the eyes of people who have never seen it before. So we went on this hike that I had been on um, half a dozen times before. But it was unique. It was unique because I got to experience it with somebody who had never experienced it before. And uh, the, same, the same thing happened a couple of weeks before I hosted Kaylin. I actually went into town. I went to a restaurant that I'd been to well over 30 times, and it was unique because I was with somebody who was experiencing it for the first time. I walked around the river, which I've done a bazillion times, and I looked around, and I was like, wow, this actually is beautiful. This is amazing. I live in a beautiful part of the world, and I can say that from somebody who has traveled coast to coast United States multiple times. Uh, I've been to 40 to 50 states. I've traveled uh, coast to coast South America. Um, I've been in Eastern Europe. I've been in Western Europe. And I can say that this, that my home is truly exceptional and remarkable. And I'm reminded of that when I get to show it off, I guess, to people who, who I'm with. It, it, it brings new life to me. And it makes me appreciate this this little special part of the world that it, that I get to call home, uh, and I love sharing that with other people. So, uh, next question: How many surfers have you hosted? I have probably hosted. Oh my goodness! Well over a hundred. So, um, the next question is, uh, how can people be great guests when couch surfing? How can people be great guests when couch surfing? I think, well, naturally you're going to need to respect the person's space that you're staying with. But by being your best self, that's for me. That's the, the um, that's the way you can be the best cow surfer, because there is no currency that's being exchanged um, during during these events. So the only currency we really have is the currency of of, of sharing each other. So. Um, if you go into a situation and you're not willing to do that, then of course, just by the sheer fact that you're couch surfing, you're not living up to the um, to the highest the highest ends of the culture. And the couch surfing culture is interaction with other people. So bring your best self um, to to each surfing event and. Um, Expect to um, um, be reciprocated with that. So Desmond's actually been in my house a lot, uh, almost every time that I've hosted somebody at my most recent house. And I think the times that we've had the best time have been when the couch surfers are willing to spend time with us. 
So be willing to spend time with your couch surfer. Now, that doesn't mean that your couch surfer is going to be willing to spend time with you, their host. They might not have the flexibility in their schedule. Uh, they might, you, it might be a weekday and they're working a full-time job and they just want to get to bed early. But I think, if at all possible, allow yourself to, to you know, open up and share something with your couch surfer. And if that's, if, if all it is is time, you're going to be amazed at the things that come from that time. Whether it's, it's great conversation. Uh, one of the things that we really like to do is uh, stoke up a fire in the backyard and roast s'mores. I mean, it's simple. And I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, surfers be like, wow, this is, this is the first time that I've ever made one of these, you know, because I'm hosting people from parts of the world where, you know, who knows what a s'more is. Um, but it's, it's tremendously rewarding to me when somebody is willing to take the time uh, to, well, and again, I'm, I'm referring back to Kaylin because this is, this is her podcast, uh, but she took the time to hike a mountain with me. I mean, that was awesome. I'm glad that I had the time to, to do that, but she was on board. So, um, yeah, don't, if you, if you want this to be a free hotel, you're, you're, you're missing the point. You really are missing the point. And that's probably about all you're going to get out of it is a free hotel. So next question. The next question, how can, pe how can people be great guests when couch surfing? No, we've already covered that one. Um, the next one is how can people be great hosts? Well, I think the key to being a great host is respecting the fact that your guests are placing themselves in a vulnerable situation. And, uh, you know, we... We have all the safeguards in place, but ultimately, I think you need to realize that they're trusting you. So be trustworthy. You know, give them their space if they want their space. But uh, also, if possible, again, we all live crazy, hectic lives. But if possible, give your time. Um, provide a clean place to stay, you know. Uh, put on... Put on I like to make sure that my house is is cleaner when couch surfers are there than when I'm just lounging around in my house by, by myself. Um, and yeah, just just prepare yourself for for good conversation and good time, and, and allow yourself to be open to the experience. Um, the last question: um, If there are any questions that you might have or would like to add to this to this podcast, um, they those would be most um, anticipated and appreciated. Um, stories or anything like that. Is there anything that you would like to add, Desmond? Um, the only thing I would like to add is that. What makes couch surfing unique is the the uh, the ability for both uh, both parties to um, put themselves in a situation that is um, so uncommon with us today, and that is 
putting ourselves in a position to be human. And I think that's why most people choose it. Um, I'm sure that somewhere in our thought process, is, it's attractive that the, the, the price point is, is, there isn't a price point. But actually there is a price point, and the price point is being able to get the most out of every single human experience. Um, and collectively as a species, this concept is in place to help us realize our best, our best selves and share our best selves, and in addition to that, come to a, a consensus that truly we are more alike than we are not alike, and we all pretty much appreciate the same things. So appreciate yourself, appreciate um, the people that um, that you are hosting, and I. By virtue of, the, of, of that extent, um, we're all going to have better experiences on the planet. Couchsurfing is not a small thing. It is a big thing. It's big because we are giving ourselves to each other. You know, I'm going to add with couchsurfing that um, we have a lot of different technologies. In fact, we were talking about this earlier. We live in the era of technology. And we have a bazillion different apps that are supposed to connect us, right? We've got Twitter that is connecting President Trump with the rest of the world, right? Quote, unquote, connect. We have Facebook, which is connecting us with people who we probably don't care to even talk to anyway. But we went to high school with them, so what the hell? We'll make them a friend on Facebook. We have cell phones, which... Anybody can call us at any point in time of the day or night and talk to us. We have texting. We have all these things that are supposed to make us more connected. And yet, I find that when I'm in a group of people at a party, everybody is totally disregarding each other because they're fixed on their, fa they're fixed on their phones. So these, these things that are meant to connect us are actually disconnecting us. Well, couch surfing is not that. Couch surfing, I would say, is one utilization of modern technology that is genuinely bringing people together more often than not. Uh, again, not every experience is mind-blowing. Not every experience is like, wow, that was just, I'm going to never forget that. No, I, I, there are a lot of experiences on couch surfing that I've forgotten. Um, but again, I will say for couch surfing, it, it allows for intimacy. And the exchange is, is a currency of community. It's not a currency of dollar bills. And when you take money out of the equation, it's, it's really amazing how much people open up to one another. So on that note, I am going to, uh, to leave you. And uh, again, a special thanks to Kaylin for letting, uh, letting me be a part of this podcast. And um, also uh, a, a little note here. This is, this is actually being recorded on a, an old piece of equipment. This is the third item that defines me, which we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast. 
and that is I'm a little bit of an eclectic collector. So uh, this podcast is brought to you on a 1965 reel-to-reel voice recorder made by the Voice of Music, uh, which I refurbished some years ago. And so this is... uh, this is 60-year-old technology, which is, is in action right now. So I hope you enjoy it. And again, uh, for those of you who haven't given couch surfing a try, I hope you do, and I hope that you enjoy that as well. So cheers and good night. <laughs>